Did you know that you can help us produce new seasons of our podcasts and audio series? At Studio Chenta, we just launched a new series of audiobooks based on our podcasts, and they're currently for sale. There are many titles available from romantic comedy to horror, true crime, communication and linguistics, food and lifestyle, migration stories, and much, much more. Available in Spanish, English, Italian, and French. Check out our full catalog at ochentestudio.com slash audiobooks. And find the titles on apps like Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobook app. Thank you so much for supporting our work. What up? Welcome to How Not to Travel, a podcast about seeing the world differently. It's been a minute since we posted, and that's because travel has changed so much since the pandemic started. So for the next few weeks, we're going to break down How Not to Travel, COVID edition. This week... COVID era travel options. So I don't know about y'all, but I'm sick of Zoom. I'm sick of looking at my computer. I'm sick of my phone. I'm sick of screens. I'm sick of literally any sort of technology. But it seems like during COVID times, this is all we have to connect to each other. And while I've tried to stream content from other parts of the world on my Instagram, it's just not the same. I mean, are we really about to travel digitally? Come on now. And I've opted out of any virtual experiences that were not mandatory just because I'm tired. I'm tired. My brain can't take it anymore. I don't want to look at these screens anymore. But maybe I'm just a brat and wanted to see how people in travel were doing and how they were pivoting during this time. So here we go. But all I got, baby, coronavirus and the ghost of Christmas past. You wear no clothes. Yeah, right. Rarely. Very rarely. So it's like the robe is fine. I enjoy it. It's very comfortable to perform in. And like, I can take it off. And it's like this whole burlesque thing and it's fun, but you got it good. You have to evolve. So I think I'm going to do like tailored suits or something. Ladies and gentlemen and people, I present Marc Rebier. So to me, he's this boy I went to high school with and he would freestyle battle during English class and throw chicken wings across the room that he ordered from Hooters. And he would also do all of that while taking off his pants. True story, missed Dior's class, I think in the 10th grade. But to y'all, he's a wildly popular musician who makes up songs and beats on the spot, in his boxers, on stage. So basically, he's the same person but makes money off of it now, and it's funny that he was prepping this whole time in Miss Dior's English class to do what he does professionally. But what's cool about Mark and why I asked him to be on this podcast is because he is the first ever musician to go on tour during the pandemic. So I called him and asked, how did that go, considering the time? When you take a bite, you're gonna wanna taste it. I'm in a tent surrounded by green screen um, in like behind the cars, not far behind, like right behind them. And then all of that is being fed to a trailer where the AV guys uh, have a multi-camera setup. I mean, I have a multi-camera setup in the tent, 
but they're controlling it in there. And then on the fly, you know, sort of adding effects and switching cams and broadcasting uh, to the drive-in screen. But basically we had to do a couple of things. Like there were like a couple of touch points that we had to make sure to do in order to make it feel like a show and not just like you're going to watch like a recording of me playing, you know? Um, and the way we did that was at the beginning of every show, I started out in the front by the screen on a ladder. You know, there was this intro that I pre-recorded. <clears throat> we would play the intro and then I would emerge up on this ladder so that everyone in the parking lot could see me. And then I would hop, at first I was running, which was a lot, but then we got golf cart with a camera on it, lights on me, and I would, they would drive me around the whole parking lot. So I would be seeing everybody in every row, yo, what's up, hey, boom, 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 all the way from the front to the back. Are y'all hearing this? This man went on a COVID era music tour by renting out a bunch of drive-in movie theaters across America and then drove around in a golf cart saying hi to his fans before he was streamed live from an isolated tent and projected onto the screen. Talk about creativity. And people drove across the country for this. I saw it myself. He sold out just about every one of his concerts while his fans were able to dance from their cars. So I made you know contact, quote unquote, with everyone at the show. And then I would play the show. And it's a few points during the set, I would take a wireless mic and walk out of the tent and interact with people around the tent, you know, at as much of a distance as possible. Hey, that's the ticket right there. I'm ready to take your sweet little calls. Let me go ahead. Hello? Uh, I'm probably three or four rows up from the screen. How's the vibes over there? The vibes. And then there was a camera outside of the tent that would record me doing that and also broadcast to the screen. So like the drums, the bass, the keys, the vocals, the harmonies, etc., are all made in that moment based on instinct or whatever the audience gives me on, on the fly. But yeah, it's just a weird show and the show changes heavily depending on the audience, what the, the, my connection with the audience happens to be that night. Um, and then, you know, the show also exists online where I take callers and uh, make songs based on their suggestions. I guess that's basically the nutshell. This is hands down the best virtual experience I've ever seen. Mostly because it wasn't virtual, right? Mark was a genius and incorporated travel into it all, making his audience completely integrated into the experience. But does he see himself continuing drive-in tours after COVID? I really love them both for very different reasons. Live, there's, there is nothing online that can replace the experience of connecting with an audience. It's irreplaceable. It will always be irreplaceable. It's the reason that live music continues to be as popular and as much of a juggernaut of an industry as it is. There is something to that, to being in a room together and seeing something given to you, made for you and not for anybody else. Damn, that was powerful. I feel that so much because I miss people in a real way. 
Did you know, according to one UK study, 94% of musicians are self-employed. That means no government assistance. That's almost all of them. So check in on your musician friends. They are not okay. No matter where they are in the world, people are craving being in a crowd again, being around people. I don't know about you, but seeing downtowns empty and not buzzing and vibrant makes me feel hella depressed. I miss giving tours and taking tours and just seeing people walking around, you know, without masks. Speaking of which, I talked to someone else who walks around downtown for a living. Let's head to London. True hippie. True hippie. Uh, my name's Tony Warner. I live and work in London. I run Black History Walking Tours in London, um, 12 different Black History Walking Tours, but also run uh, a Black History Bus Tour, three hours long of London, as well as a three hour long Black History River Cruise on the River Thames. I've done a whole bunch of those kind of typical regular London tourist walks too, like the Jack the Ripper walk, the Ghost Walk, Underground Walk, you know, the, the back, all those kind of typical walks, Harry Potter walk, whatever. And there's never no mention of anything to do with black people at all. And I was like, this is this is a bit weird, you know. I live in London, and there's black people living here. So where's all this kind of black representation? And and long story short, I said, no one else is doing it. Let me, let me do it. And that was 13 years ago. The first walk I ever did had two people on it, two people, right? Um, but nowadays we have like on the river cruise, we have about 200 people. Yes, to representation. This is why your work is so important. I repeatedly tell my people to take up space and create what they want to see because no one is going to come save you. With that said, let's see what changed for Tony when he took his physical history tours into online virtual lectures. The advantage there is that you can actually cover a lot more images because not all images are on display in the galleries or the museums. You actually can get more people because there's a, a number restriction on people who can come on a tour in a gallery. So it's normally at 15 or so. On a Zoom talk, we can have up to 100 or 200. So it's like, that's an advantage. The disadvantage there would be that you don't get the personal interaction and you don't get the, the perspectives of the people on the walk because you get guys, let's say we got a group of 10, you get one person from Brazil, from China, from America, whatever. And when they see the images, they have a response to them too. So they will tell you, well, this is how it affects me. But also they'll bring their knowledge to the talk. And they say, well, actually, this um, artist is well known in Brazil and actually his best friend did this piece of art. So you get, you, you learn more in a group physically than you would do um, on an online talk. That's what we found so far. It's so true. When I did Tony's tour and he was talking about the black man who discovered mass production of vanilla, my Jamaican friend had so much to say because he's in the juicing business and he deals with vanilla all the time. And I learned from both of them that day. It's amazing how much we learn from each other just by simple dialogue. By the way, did you know that an enslaved man named Edmund Albius from Madagascar discovered a method of hand-pollinating vanilla orchids? This was necessary because vanilla is actually not native to Madagascar but to Mexico and has the only bee in the world that will pollinate vanilla orchids. Now, thanks to Edmund Albius, Madagascar produces 80% of the world's vanilla often going for more than the price of silver. But actually, Madagascar is the world's leading producer because farmer wages are lower than any other vanilla producing country in the world. So this cash crop does not turn into cash for the farmers that harvest it. Thanks, Tony, for teaching me that. One thing that I have learned from doing the walks for like 13 years is that 
each time I have a walk, if I have 10 people, I'm going to pick up five different bits of information about the walk itself. Because someone will come and tell me, oh, I used to work in that building, and that building has a secret chamber, and down there is where these have these Roman ruins. That's what happened. Every single time you do a walk, you get, you get some piece of information which you can then use yourself on a future tour. So my knowledge just kind of expands exponentially each time I do it. What Tony didn't expect is the amount of diversity he received moving from physical tours to virtual tours. What we've got is we, when we do a Zoom, um, we get people from California, from Uruguay, from you know Southampton, from everywhere. It's like really Cayman Islands, and you definitely get a lot more diverse locations than you would if you did it physically. But also, we found that people who were working or had um, childcare they could actually access the content, which they couldn't do before. So it's given us a, a bigger honest in that perspective, not bigger numerically, but bigger when it comes to um, diverse locations and diverse employment and diverse kind of um, working patterns. Isn't that interesting? Digital events really make us realize how inaccessible some things are. I learned that it's really hard to talk to a screen because, you know, normally I'm in front of people, I can see them, right? You can react to their faces, you can, you know, pick up on their little physical cues and you can, you know, you can make it more engaged and interactive because you can see the people's reactions to you. But in this situation, you're there, <laughs> you're there emoting, you're there conveying your ideas and being enthusiastic, and there's nothing coming back. You're just speaking to a screen. It was odd. Speaking into screens is something I've come to hate but do it every day anyway. What I was really curious about were how large-scale events like conferences adapting to these changes. It was on my mind because I had planned to have my own conference in June 2021 in Mexico City, but I had to shelve it because caterers, event spaces, whoever, they just refused to answer my calls. So I called up Evie from Audacity Fest, the first travel fest for travelers of color, to see how she was pivoting and how the digital event worked or if it worked at all. I'm not doing these like Zoom calls to death that everybody's on there, this blank black screen, like it's gotta be something that's highly curated, both in energy and feel. I do think it, it's a little bit dangerous to go into the digital space thinking that it needs to be like the physical space. Yeah, but you're in the digital space, so why not embrace that? <laughs> and then from there, like rock within that space and make it what you want it to be. And so we, we pivoted online and that turned into what we call Audacity Digi. And our first one was on uh, Saturday, May 30th, and we had 448 attendees from 24 countries. I love that she was real about not expecting the same about the digital space. Let's just call it what it is. It's digital. But what was Evie's takeaway from all of this as a business owner? I think this is also what's made us different from day one when we started nine years ago from other travel, just like communities, we never put all of our eggs in one basket by booking trips. I'm a artist first and a hustler. So like I came into this broke as fuck when I started Nomad. I was on unemployment and I had nothing else to lose really is what it was. But like in the midst of all that, we have so many streams of income that come in from various places and we're constantly in a state of producing and being innovative in this space. That's what sustained us for the last almost decade. Did you hear that business owners? Never, and I mean never, have just one stream of income. Coming from Evie as well as this business owner right here. When the pandemic hit, I lost two streams of income but was super lucky to have survived on the others I had built for myself. 
Did you know that nearly 100,000 small businesses just in the USA alone have permanently closed due to the pandemic? And businesses are not affected equally. Unfortunately, businesses owned by people of color have been affected disproportionately. More on this in a later episode in the season. And now, back to where most of us have been spending lockdown. Our kitchens! Adabola is a lawyer and travel influencer who started putting on cooking shows, despite her not even really cooking, like, take out anyone. And isn't that the most of us out there trying to make sourdough and planting gardens during quarantine? I mean, who, like, even are we when we're not traveling? And I'm not a big fan of staycations. It's just not something I'm interested in. So yeah, I've just not been able to do anything. So I suppose the way I've kind of replaced travel is through my cooking show, which is try and experience a country through food just because I enjoy food myself when I've traveled. But I try to make sure that when I'm in a new country, I try their local food so I know what it's like when I'm there. So she decided to do just that. Try new foods, but in her house. Like it's almost become my like baby, like a passion of mine. So I've enjoyed um, connecting with different people, learning about different people's cultures. And even though I haven't been to certain countries, I feel like I'm still being able to taste that country, which is quite weird in a, in a weird sort of setting, despite the fact I can't actually go to the country. What I love most about this time is to see how creative people are getting. It really shows you the resilience and how humans adapt to any situation in order to connect. We have Mark putting together whole drive-in concert tours and it being wildly successful. Tony taking his tours virtually and connecting with people all over the world in a capacity he wasn't able to do previously. Then we got Evie hustling, tripling her streams of income. And Adebola finding her passion through food, cooking in her kitchen with people from all around the world, sending in their recipes. Regardless of the obstacles, a common theme I'm seeing is this huge desire to connect to community, by any means necessary, and a desire to return to normal. Like, are we never going to be able to kiss each other on the cheek again? Cause I don't know how I'm going to be able to say hi without it. But this gives me hope that we'll be able to hug, dance, and eat without masks again. And culture is not going anywhere. episode was about alternative travel. While we are not encouraging travel, we're offering travel perspectives. We have no idea what the future holds, which is why next week we're going to talk about the outdoors during COVID-19. That means not in front of a screen. Get out, okay? Transcripts are available on our website at www.ochentastudio.com for the deaf and hard of hearing, as always. And sources are linked out for all my haters trying to fact check me. I already got you. The host and producer of this podcast was me, Dr. Kiona. Executive producer is Loy Martinez. And this is an Ochenta podcast produced by Studio Ochenta. The sound editor on this is Luis Raul Lopez-Levi. Art was done by Tiffany DeLoon. And the music was done by Gabriel Damaso. In addition, this season was entirely volunteer. All research, sound engineers, translators, experts, editors, and producers worked for six months free of charge to get these perspectives to your ears. Cause 
Our sponsorship died this year because times is hard, you know? So for the love of travel, if you learned something and would like to tip the creators and experts on the podcast, sponsor studio time or sponsor a mic, community donations are accepted at Venmo at How Not to Travel, PayPal, How Not to Travel Podcast at gmail.com, Patreon, How Not to Travel Podcast to join in on the community discussions. We will see you next time.